the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. This week's episode of Hometown Crowd, controversy abounds as the Washington football franchise finally sheds a racist moniker, only to find themselves at the center of sexual harassment allegations. Things look grim for fall sports in college, and Patrick Mahomes signs an incredible deal. In the second half, we look at the controversial career of quarterback Michael Vick with the ESPN 30 for 30, Vick. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyards of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. What's up, everyone? It's Mac. And I am Heather, the HOA rebel princess, Lewis. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh... I mean, it's what day seven hundred and six of quarantine and the pandemic. So, I'm not going quite so crazy. I started playing Division Two, and it's kind of helped me kill time. But, you know, I'm ready to like maybe go to a museum or, you know, do something where I could see some people doing the same thing I am. That'd be great. Right, right. Heather, um, doing pretty good. Um. Just keeping busy with work and cleaning up the house and all of that. Yeah. That's prepping, good. That's prepping, good. Prepping to head out west. Yes. <laughs> to I mean, link I was, back up with number one fan. Is that, yeah. <laughs> he he did make it safely, about. right? Yes, yes, he has. I don't, th- I don't think we've, we've broken this news, though, to yeah. the listeners. We have not. Would you like to? Um, I mean, I mean, I might as well, since, you know, you guys kind of threw me into the deep end on this one. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, your girl is moving out West. Uh, number one fan got, um, got orders to go to JBLM. So that is where he is at. Uh, he left last week, uh, made it there in four days. Um, uh-huh. That's a lot of driving for four days, man. Oh, yeah. He's, he slept in the van at rest stops, got a hotel like twice. And that was it. And so, um, yeah, he, so he's there. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm staying behind because I have things I need to take care of. And once they get taken care of, then your girl will be hitching her wagon and going west. At which point we will probably have to reevaluate when we record and stuff oh, like yeah. that because a three-hour time difference is not a fun one. No, it's not. It's that's a pretty sizable one. Yeah, and if you're yeah. putting kids to bed at at nine, that's midnight our time, and I'm not recording at midnight on a oh, no. work night. No, no. no we'll uh, get it. Figured out. We'll get it figured out. I'll do a couple lines of blow and I'll be ready for midnight on a. On a <laughs> so just be on the lookout because we may end up having to, re- we may end up moving our release date to a different day instead of every Friday. So our lead story tonight and breaking news this evening, um, just days after the team announced that they would be dropping the Redskins name, the Washington Post earlier today published an article in which 15 female former employees accused the D.C.-based Washington football team of conducting a toxic atmosphere. 
14 of those women chose to remain anonymous due to non-disclosure agreements, but the 15th, Emily Applegate, chose to speak on the record. Among the allegations are repeated sexual advances, direction to wear more revealing clothing to make sales, berating language, and inappropriate physical touching, such as smacks and pinches. Uh, Team owner Dan Snyder was not named as part of the allegations, but it was stated that he had to have been aware of the situation. Uh, but five members of the front office, including Larry Michael, the longtime radio personality for the team, were alleged to be part of this uh, this atmosphere. Yeah, I, I am in total agreement with uh, I, I don't give a shit at what level you're a leader. Um, you know what's going on in your section or your organization like that. That's you know what's mm-hmm. going on. Yep. Um, and it only happens because you allow it to happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, if either, you don't do anything about it. Yeah, either through you just acquiescing to it or your willful ignorance. So yep. there's no fucking way a, an owner as controlling as Daniel Snyder is, um, who's got his finger in every pie of that organization, uh, did not know about it. Like, I, I won't buy that. Like, he is going to get some high-powered, fancy attorney that's going to tell us otherwise. He's already uh, got one. Yeah, but... Uh. Uh, you know, I would call bullshit, you know, when he comes out and says, uh, you know, doing the, the slick Williettas, I did not know about anything that was going on. You know, like just willfully lying to our face when we know better. Um, Dan Snyder can suck a dick. Um, you know, it's, it's fun like, that you mention that administration, considering quoted in the article was one woman who said that this was the most toxic sexual atmosphere she'd ever worked in. And she was a assistant press secretary for the Clinton administration. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the article was, was gross and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just get this quick aside out of the way. NDAs are bullshit. And if you're an organization that forces your employees to sign NDAs, that says something about you. All right. This is the fucking Washington Redskins. There's nothing proprietary. You're not creating any new technology. There's no trade secrets to lose. You're a football team that has sucked for the last, what, 15, 20 years. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're you're, you're not treading new ground without a build a franchise, dude. You're having employees sign NDAs because your 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 club culture is so toxic. You don't want it to get out. Uh, So, you know. Fuck NDAs. I, I just, it, it's another means for management to control people. And I think we all know I'm not okay with that. Um, Clearly. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I, I thought it, otherwise. Yeah. It's just, it's fucking gross that these women uh, who were, were good enough uh, in their positions to be hired at the very top level of professional football. Um, you know, and, and jobs, you know, behind the scenes are very competitive to get, um, you know, had to go to work in an environment like this where their bosses are saying, hey, uh, to close this sales deal, I'm going to need you to, you know, undo your top button and, uh, you know, show some cleavage, you know, and then, uh, you know, what was it? The, the radio guy uh, was sitting there harassing cheerleaders and other female staffers about like, will you date me? You know, and after getting shot down about a million times, you know, it's just like, dude, fuck off with all that, man. Well, that was um, I thought that was on Santos, who was the uh, uh, director of pro personnel. Okay, yeah, he was the one that was doing that. And then you have 
Mann, Richard Mann II, who was the assistant director to him, and he was fucking having uh, women. Uh, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. I just had it. Um, no, 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 not not him. I'm sorry, Green. Green. He is. Sorry, my notes are all super scattered right now. Uh, who is Green? Oh, Dennis Green. He's the president of business operations. Yeah. Um, he is accused, again, accused. We Alleg- will say he, that. He allegedly. Allegedly did this. Allegedly. We're, we're a small podcast out of Fayetteville, and I'm, we just don't have money for lawyers. Okay? No, we don't. We no. do not. No. 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 Uh, he... He, now, he resigned in May of 2018 after it was reported that he had sold access to the Redskins cheerleaders, including attendance at a 2013 calendar shoot in Costa Rica. Yeah. yeah. And then he also encouraged members of the sales staff to wear revealing clothing and flirt with sweet holders. So he was doing that for years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Allegedly. This, I'm sorry, allegedly. allegedly. Yes. These are all accusations. Nothing's been proven or, or disproven, I might add. Um, you know. But I will say, you know, 15 people testify or, or reporting this. Yeah. Including one on the record. And, I mean, there is a record of some of these people being fired and – you know, some of these people are out as recently as this week as the story was coming to fruition. Yeah. So I'm not saying that it is, you know, you know, we're still an innocent until proven guilty country. Yes. Uh, however, it doesn't look that good. No. Yeah. Where, where there's where there's smoke, there's fire. And, right. you know, if uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and say this, because, Tim, I mentioned, you know, typically you can find some truth in rumor. Um Believable rumor, there, there, you know, there's typically some truth to it, um, and especially when you're dealing with, you know, rich and powerful personalities that run toxic places. And we we've seen this; it seems to be happening more and more. We're getting more and more information as women step forward um, because they've they've had enough of it, um, you know, as they should. There's no reason to run an organization in, in such a way that. Women don't feel safe about going to, you know, to work in the morning. Um, you know, they're invaluable members of that organization and, and they shouldn't have to deal with shit like that. You know, I'm so tired of that good old boy thought process where, you know, uh, you know, that kind of that mad men thing where they, they kept the, you know, the women were hired just as kind of like eye candy. And it, it's, that's not, that's not even anywhere near the truth. These, these women bring a lot to the table and work their asses off to get those jobs, and they should be appreciated for that, not not treated like pieces of meat. And, you know, maybe it's me, but doesn't it seem a little strange to only have one HR person for an organization that big? Yeah. That, that is kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, uh, I realize that, it's that like 220 person. employees, but one? Yeah. Um, shit, man. There, there are much smaller organizations that probably have three or four HR people to, you know, to enforce compliance and, and other measures. Um, so, you know, it's it's gross. Yeah, this whole this whole story is fucking gross. And uh, I'm curious to see what Goodell does. I mean, Marge shot 
who used to own the Reds in the early 90s, was forced to sell the team for owning a Nazi armband. Um, you know, Frank McCourt was forced to sell the Dodgers because he actually couldn't afford to make payroll once his divorce proceedings started. You know, so, you know, these these types of measures can be taken, um, you know, can be taken to, to get a toxic uh, person like this out of the league. And with everything going on, you know, is there a league that's more conscious of their um, public image than the NFL? Probably not. No. So so why in the fuck would you want to um, have a guy like this that's going to add uh, yet another string of black eyes that have popped up under Goodell? Right. You know? So. Right. I mean, and l- let's not forget Donald Sterling, the L.A. Clippers owner. Yeah. Yeah. I was literally about to say that. I mean, yeah. He was forced to after some recorded racist remarks. So, yeah, I mean, it, there's precedent, and it, I think a guy like Paul Tagliabue would have forced it. You know, I I, I think he was more of the uh, you're going to do what you know, do what you're told and fall in line type of type of guy than Goodell is. Uh, you know, I think Goodell got that job because he worked for Tagliabue for so long, and the owners knew he would be compliant. Mm. Um, you know, and that that's all you could. I mean, I, I just hope he does something. He takes a big step forward because, I mean, we've seen in the last few years when it comes to player issues, you know, he comes down with both feet on those players, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and rightfully so in some of these cases. But to to as I think as a kind of good uh, show of good faith towards the players, you do the same thing with the owners as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is essentially the two biggest um, the two biggest rights movements of the last five years coming together in the NFL mm-hmm. in a matter of weeks, you know. And yeah. so far, this instance, Goodell's done the right thing on the Black Lives Matter movement. Will he do the same thing on the Me Too movement? And I stress that he's done the right t- right thing this go around. You know, he may not yeah. have uh, he may have botched it in the past, but at least in the 2020 iteration of the protests, he's done the right thing. Yeah. So here's here's his shot to do the right thing on the Me Too movement as well. Um, right, right back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think one yeah. of the other things that I found absolutely disgusting was the uh, transparent staircase that was mentioned. Uh, uh, yeah. Where where the trainer was, like, seen leaning back from two floors down because he could look up the skirt of one of the, the ladies. Mm. Um, th- this whole story is just full of n- disgusting information. And yeah. realistically, it's coming from a disgusting organization uh, and a disgusting team owner who probably does need to be removed at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just it, we this country has ignored sexual assault and sexual harassment in, in almost any kind of setting, whether it's business, the fucking military, uh, police departments, fire departments. You know, they, they have this idea that only men could do these jobs. Um, 
you know, and I've seen firsthand and, and Heather, you know, female soldiers and Tim, you worked with some, they, they're fucking outstanding at their jobs. And there's, there's zero reason to, to put that kind of uh, delineation between the men and the women in the office. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so the, the, the fact that it still happens, I mean, we, that, that, this country for a large part has ignored these, this, this issue, um, you know, that we, and it's the, the Royal, we, you know, um, not, not this, this group. Um, yeah. I got you. Yeah. You I don't think we, you were accusing us of anything. Yeah. But we, we've, we've ignored it and, and made it so women don't even feel safe to go to work, uh, so they can contribute to their family or, or whatever the case is. Maybe they just really like their fucking job and, you know, I would like to meet the person that really likes their job because I hated my job for a long time (laughs) Um, and and I'm insanely jealous. Um, But, uh, you know, it it just it's it disgusts me, you know, on a level that I can't, uh, you know, really put into words. You know, I just it it frustrates me to no end uh, that these women are still dealing with this shit. Well, one of my things I think that really like kind of annoys me and and I've seen it. um, I saw it just recently and I can't remember the context in which I see it of people who want to say, oh, well, you know, if you work in that kind of an industry, like that's just, that's just part of the job. You know what you signed up for. You know what you signed up for. So Mm -hmm. like, what, what's the big deal? Like, Again, and it's, I'm sorry. It's, nobody it, signs up to be sexually harassed or assaulted. No, they don't. And it's it's victim blaming. It's absolutely, oh, absolutely. victim blaming. And that's God. I wish it was something that just happened recently too. That I was reading it. Oh, with with the um, with the chick in Fort Hood at Fort Hood. Yeah, Vanessa again. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, oh, well, you, if you work in that kind of environment, well, duh, that's part of it. So yeah, that was the, uh, the air force Lieutenant Colonel. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And university, university of Wisconsin professor that said yep. that, that, yeah. that's, that's the disgusting thing. Oh, and because, oh, oh, what's really disgusting is that that was a female that said it. Yeah. That's yeah, what I mean, makes it even is, worse. And I remember just being so angry at that because it's such bullshit it's absolute yeah. bullshit and so, but yeah, bring, so that's bringing it back around to what we're talking about here though um one of the biggest instances of victim blaming is well were they dressed a certain way and this was a case of this was a case of the opposite where they were being told they needed to dress this type of way yeah exactly they yeah. were being forced into dressing <sighs> that way and so, oh, no, mm-mm, nope, nope. This is a yeah. sports podcast. I'm not going to get on my soapbox, on my feminist soapbox. I'm just going to leave it over here. Well, so. the thing is, it's is it really feminism when when it's just uh, a proper extension of civil rights to women? Like, you're supposed to be able to <laughs> you, go to work and be respected. You know, you, know? you would think, you would think, <laughs> but this is also 2020. Well, that is feminism. Yeah. But again, I mean, like I, I said, this is twenty fucking twenty. So yeah, you know, there I are just, no it, rules it's, anymore. It's, There's no rules. Oh yeah, it's a fucking jungle out there, man. And and I, I I think you know the person I respect the most on the planet right now is that woman that came forth, uh, you know, uh, with her name out there, because you know she's gonna Snyder's gonna gun for her as soon oh, as yeah. he can. Emily Applegate. Okay, Miss Applegate. Yeah, that woman right there has balls the size of 
nobody's business, uh, you know, being able to just say, fuck it. My name's going to be out there. I will be heard. I'm going to speak up and, and get our stories out there. So Miss Applegate, I tip my cap to you. And uh, I hope some, uh, you know, another powerful law firm with equally sized stone says, all right, Daniel Snyder, we see you and uh, we're going to defend Miss Applegate. And, you know, we're going to show you that what you did was absolutely wrong and you should have to deal with the consequences. What's even more fun is that if you gave her a couple of years, she'd be able to defend herself. She's studying for law school and just took the LSATs. Good for her. Nice. She Good got out of the yeah. sports. She, she refuses to work in professional sports again. Can you? I mean, I can't blame her. I'm no, sure. not at all. Yeah, I'm sure she's yeah. she's one of many. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is definitely. Let, let's be honest here. This is more widespread than just the Washington football team. Oh yeah. This, um, is, this is happening. This is happening everywhere. This is they're just, just the subject of the story that has broken. They, yeah, they were the ones who were willing to come forward. And I get if there are those who who aren't willing to come forward yet, because I, I get it, I understand. But eventually it will. What happens in the dark always comes to light. So, yeah. yeah. Well, moving on to our second story of the night. Uh, NCAA President Mark Emmert today laid out guidelines for the start of fall sports season. Uh, however, he also cast doubt as to whether or not there would be a fall sports season at all. Um, he said today, quote, today, sadly, the data points in the wrong direction. If there is to be college sports in the fall, we need to get a much better handle on the pandemic. Uh, this yep. statement comes on the heels of multiple uh, conferences in the, uh, among the Power Five that have said they are going to conference-only schedules, as well as the Ivy League and the MEAC conferences who have already canceled their fall sports seasons. There, there's been some discussion about possibly moving the college. Uh, the 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 phrase I've heard is some college sports. Uh, that's football to the spring, uh, and that's only because football is the money maker, and they need that money yeah. for other sports. Um, will we see college football or any sport this fall? No, probably not. Mm-mm. No, especially I mean, not with the way the trends are going right now. And yeah. they're saying that a second wave is going to hit. So, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, the way this thing's rolling, uh, it always in the fall, you'll like during the Spanish influenza pandemic in 18, 19 and 20, um, they had huge spikes in the fall. Um, so, I mean, that's right in the heart of the football season. And, you know, the, the shitty thing is, is you're seeing a lot of university systems that are already making plans to shut class on, you know, in-person on-campus classes down and go right. back to the remote model. Um, so, you know, if, if they're prepping for this, if school administrators are prepping for this, then the athletic directors need to finally get their head out of their ass mm-hmm. and realize we're probably not getting it this this fall. It's probably yeah, not going to happen. They're going to have to get the dollar signs out of their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if you and if you are going to do spring football, you can only do about six games uh, because you know exactly what they're going to want to do. They're going to want to launch next fall, and you can't yeah. have these kids playing a full schedule, taking like two weeks off, going into like summer, uh, you know, spring, you know, summer weightlifting, then into those summer practices, and then rolling right into the fall for the season. You, I mean, that, it, that would be physically devastating for them. Well, and then you have some players who are dual sport. 
You have your football players and your baseball players. Chad Jones, Chad Jones, Chad Jones for LSU, prime example. He was at LSU on a baseball scholarship, but he was one of the, you know, he was one of the best corners to play the position. Wasn't Kyler Murray in that same situation? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he went to Oklahoma, when he transferred to Oklahoma, he, he, uh, it was like kind of, yeah, that was was a football move. Yeah, no. So, yeah. So, like, so you want to really talk about, fucking over some athletes in the spring because you're essentially making them choose. Yeah. But I mean, this is, this is probably the most important takeaway. This is going to force these athletic directors to be smarter with their fucking money. Mm -hmm. Um, Last I checked, a lot of these assholes are, are the people who agree with, well, if you would have just been smarter with your money, you wouldn't be in the fiscal position you're in right now. You know, for people that are struggling, well, it's right. because every every dollar I make goes into surviving for the month, and then I have to worry about the following month. Okay, so building up that nice little you know slush fund um, is a little more difficult for me. All right, for athletic departments at these big schools, uh, you're burning money hand over fist. I mean, not to bag on LSU, Heather, but they build a fucking lazy river. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, like I know. Why the Trust me. why the why the fuck are you building a lazy river? where the price tag came down to, I think, $40 million to complete. When, mm-hmm. like, three summers ago, the Louisiana State University system wasn't even fucking solvent. They almost, like, did not have classes that fall. Yep. You know? So I, but I don't... Listen, Louisiana has long been known for just shitty life decisions, so... yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, like, I don't have a, I, I, I don't have a defense for it. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's not even a defense, but you look at it, like, you know, Alabama building like a hundred million dollar, just like in Ohio State did the same thing, like front, like foyer of a building to hold their trophies. You need a hundred million dollar building to do that. Like, <laughs> there, there couldn't have been like a, you know, a two hundred thousand dollar fucking case that you could shit. stick that shit in. Just yeah, you know, like, like, come on, man, like these athletic directors have to start being smarter with their money because in order to stay compliant with title nine, you have to offer the, an equal number of sports for women as you do men. And I think that's a great thing to have. Okay. Um, but you can't hinge everything on football. Mm-hmm. Try the telling money, that to Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't it, don't hate not, on him. I swear to God, don't you bring him into this. It, it's not why even, he it, brought himself into this with his quote. Uh, we need to play. This state needs it. This country needs it. This coronavirus can be handled. I don't think we can take this away from our players. Uh, I, know, I know you're loving my Orgeron impression here. It's, it's um, awful. It's not good. I don't we like need it. football. <laughs> football is the lifeblood of our country. Go Tigers. Uh, first of all, he says, go Tigers. There's, there's no R at the end of it. It's it's whatever ah sound. <laughs> okay, I'm not the one bringing Orgeron into this conversation. Orgeron brought himself into this. Okay, well, listen. You know what? He's a grown man, and that's his business. Okay, but yeah, I mean, he's I, I, I think what it is is just like he's kind of echoing the sentiment of, I mean, shit. The the stuff that we've been saying, how we're just dying for some kind of sport, some kind of competition, whatever. Now, I don't agree with him. Like in terms of, oh, we can manage this fire. I mean, we can, but it's just I don't trust other people to do it. That's yeah. the thing. That's the problem. And that's why we're not going to have college football yeah. is because people can't fucking manage it because, you know, they're 
my body, my rules, and just shut up. Wear yeah. your fucking mask. God. Yeah, I mean, and that that's the thing. I hate for all those student athletes that are going to that are gonna miss seasons. Um, I do, too. You know, yeah, I, and you know what? And I, and I know that that's where his heart is because, you know, he knows that these kids, some of these kids, like, that's what they rely on. Yeah. You know, to, to get them out of whatever situation they were in before. I get it. I, I think that he has, and I'm not just saying it because it's, it's coach. O. I would say it if it was anybody yeah. like, I, I do really believe that a lot of coaches are looking out for the best interests of their players and football for a lot of players is, is the best interest. And to not have that, you know, it definitely, it definitely can affect them. Yeah. I mean, and I, I just, I, I, I'm, glad to see some of these school administrators that are putting the athlete ahead uh, or the student ahead of the athlete. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're looking out for the entire student body. Um, and Which because, includes I mean, the athletes because yes, they're, of course, technically yeah. they are students before they are athletes. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and, and I just, I, you know, I've said it, you know, once I'll say it again, it's, you know, it's not worth the cost of people's lives possibly just to put football games on. You know, uh, you know, I think we all love football, uh, but we all agree that it's not worth the death of even one person uh, just to have a game. No, not at all. Um, I just, you know, I I want football back. I think we might see some NFL with uh, protocols in place. That's a possibility. Although, yes, I know where Heather's about to say that 76 athletes that have 72. tested positive, or 72 today, uh, that tested positive and not every player has been tested. Um, I think we're more likely to see pro football uh, because there's less outside considerations. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I see, I'm going to disagree with you there, Tim, because if you look at the state's how if Goodell's looking at it, you've had huge spikes uh, in cases in like Cali and Florida and Arizona, Arizona, where you have, you know, professional teams. There's no fucking way mm-hmm. that you can have teams like that going to Cleveland or Cincy or Pittsburgh or, you know, places with lower community that have had lower communicability. I, I don't think you risk that. Well, uh, and, and not it- only that, too, like NFL players, too, are. They're grown ass men, so they travel wherever the fuck they want. Where it's a little harder for college athletes, yeah, to move around. So I no, I think their outside influence is much worse. Yeah, I mean, let, let's face it, that NBA bubble that everybody was giving them credit for doing, they already had a dude that fucking snuck out to go get something to eat off off site, and now has to re quarantine. And if you think he's the only one, you're you're naive. Um, yeah, you know, like it, I just don't. I don't see this working well. You know, I, I just, I don't, there, there's too many outside influences, you know, and you can try and keep everybody contained in one area and that's all well and good. Um, but if you think that they're not sneaking off site to go get something to eat or they're not having people outside the bubble coming in, um, you know, it, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I think we, we just chalk it up as a loss and uh, hope, hope people start wearing their fucking masks when they when they lose a football season um and then we we kind of you know get this under control and and the vaccines developed or or better treatment plans or whatever the case is okay because i'm not a scientist i'm not a virologist 
I don't know what goes into all that. All I know is there's a lot of people working their asses off to try and fight this thing. Um, well, well, you know, first, well, well shit, first, you know, yeah. we could just bring back, you know, what the Saints fans used to do. Just bring bag heads back. Just do that. <laughs> you know, I if mean, that would if get it works. people to not breathe on each other, fine. Yeah. A brown paper bag sack on your face. No, you're not breathing through anything. No, I mean, if that's what it takes. Yeah. 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 I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just I, I, I think it's a, a far fetched idea that we're going to get football this year. And I'm as, as devastating as that is to my psyche. Um, it, it to me, it makes a good bit of sense just to keep people safe. Well, I think we'll learn a lot next week when baseball is scheduled to kick off and we'll see whether or not that happens or that gets delayed. But, you know, a week from tonight is supposed to be opening day of the baseball season. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I haven't heard a whole lot as far as potential delays. So it seems to be that they're pressing forward. And well, I, mean, I don't know if you I saw want sports. the Nationals might not be playing in D.C. because of uh, the quarantine rules. So they're they're looking at alternate sites where they could possibly play out outside of the district. Mm-hmm. Well, our last topic for the news section is one that we forgot to touch on last week, despite the, the size of this news. Uh, several players have signed contract extensions, having hit their third year, but none bigger than Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who signed a 10-year extension, locking him down through the thir- 2031 season for a grand total of more than 500 million dollars and of that 140 i believe is guaranteed 142 i think yeah but they the way the nfl contracts are announced at its most highest value um so you have like your what your your annual hit to the salary cap right then you'll have then you'll have your bonuses um and the thing is is a lot of his incentive bonuses are things that he can easily get to. So he's going to get way more than that 140 million. If he just keeps performing the way he has been, Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's something else. And um, you, you got to give that chief's front office, a lot of credit uh, drafting him because I was one of those dudes that was like, but bro, you played in the fun and gun at Texas tech, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but you know what? They build an offense that worked for him. And now we've got, this now, now before, because you said that Andy Reed is a West Coast offense disciple and had been for his entire career. And we'll be talking about him here shortly again. Yeah. And, you know, that's a short passing game with very accurate short passes, expecting the receiver. If there's going to be a big play, typically the receiver is going to break it off himself. There, it's not a very vertical passing attack. OK, and. When you saw Mahomes take over that starting role, he and Eric Bieniemy just were like, "Fuck it, we got this kid. Uh, we got Tyreek Hill. We've got, you know, uh, we, we we've got some players on offense. Let's let's just open it up a bit." And I've never seen an Andy Reid team take stabs down the field the way the Chiefs have the last few years, man. <laughs> because like, just Mahomes is one of those amazingly talented quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, there are people that are bitching about this deal, but it's like, bro, one, that's the market. That is the market. Uh, you know, 
and and the agent is advocating for his player, mm-hmm. you know, and counter offering with the team, and that was the number they both agreed on. Listen, and, do you and think that's what he's? Worth. I wonder how that Tom Brady worth. feels. I wonder how well, Tom Brady feels about that. Uh, listen, that gentleman. Um, <laughs> oh, you can't you can't say his name. No, I won't say his name. Oh, okay. Okay. It'll be it'll be year two in Tampa Bay before I utter his name. Okay. Okay. Because I'm still salty. Okay, but I, listen though, you know he feels some kind of way about that. You know he does. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, and it, this is as the diehard Patriot fan, Brady isn't anywhere near as talented physically as Patrick Mahomes is. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and and that's okay because Brady played in multiple systems in New England that gave him the opportunity to uh, play to his strengths, you know, and Mahomes could probably be plugged into any system and be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, just with his ability to kind of to move around in the pocket to keep plays alive and he's got this improvisational ability and just he reads defenses so well for such a young quarterback and he can make any throw he wants to. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just, that's the market for quarterbacks. And he set it high, you know, when he takes a team to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and, and just had the season he had. I mean, Mahomes is an amazing, is an amazing talent. And I was one of the guys that, you know, try to knock the Chiefs for drafting him because he played at a Big 12 school and See, every quarterback. Yeah, I was the same way. Like, I just wasn't, I wasn't impressed with him. I really yeah. was not impressed with him at the collegiate level. Yeah. But I think that was because he was, he was better suited for the professional level. Yeah. I mean, again, it's the Big 12. They don't play defense. And, uh, you know, every quarterback hucks it, chucks at football. You know, it's just, that's the league and that's okay. You know, the Big 12 is, is what it is, um, you know, but it, it, it was amazing seeing his transition because the game looks easy to him in a way that you don't see with a lot of young quarterbacks. And it's just it's been a lot of fun to watch uh, his growth in the league so far. Yeah, because um, well, and usually what's really remarkable, too, is that a lot of college quarterbacks don't translate well into the NFL, specifically. And I'm saying this about me, about SEC. SEC quarterbacks do not do well in the NFL. Yeah, they generally they just do not. Yeah. They just they don't have a good history for it. But Patrick Despite Mahomes, despite all the comparisons of SEC being oh, the closest to exactly. the NFL, yeah, exactly, exactly. But they just don't. They don't translate well. And um, which I, I get, you know, is not necessarily the case with Patrick Mahomes, but he is he is an exception to that of where a collegiate quarterback can translate very well into the NFL. Yeah. And I, I think it was, he, he, he had a, a head coach that knew how to work with this amazingly talented, uh, you know, young quarterback and that young quarterback who's like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get down to the nitty gritty. I'm going to learn my playbook. I'm going to get in the film room. And, and like I said, I've never seen a, a young quarterback, in his first year or two who made it look that easy. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he just, he's something else, man. Um, and it's like, I, I'm not a chiefs fan, but I, I'll tell you right now, I will watch the chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes. Like I genuinely enjoy watching him work. So make that money, Patrick, uh, hit those incentives 
and you walk away with enough money to set up multiple generations of your family, uh, you know, for the long run. Yeah, that's Howard Stern money right there. Yeah, that's, that's some fuck you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's turn to this week's documentary, the ESPN 30 for 30 Vic, the story of former Falcons and Eagles quarterback Michael Vick. Uh, Vic, who hails from Newport News, Virginia, was drafted number one overall in 2001 by the Atlanta Falcons. But he's most well known, most well known for his role in the dogfighting st- scandal in 2008. Yeah, 2006, it was 2000, 2007, 2008, something like that. Yeah, 2000 uh, in in the late 2000s, uh, yeah. for which he served 18 months in federal prison before you know revamping his image and well, I coming it was, back. I it was 23 months. It was 23. He was sentenced to 23. He only served 18. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, he was sentenced to 23, but he served 18 months in uh, Fort Leavenworth, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, it was a a federal crime. That's the federal prison. Yeah, it's a federal prison. I, I thought this whole thing was a fascinating because I learned a lot about Michael Vick that I had no idea about. Yeah. Um, Right off the bat, they hit you with the idea of, you know, quarterbacks being overwhelmingly white and mm-hmm. him being kind of one of those first breakthrough black quarterbacks. Well, and that, that's the thing, though. You had Doug Williams before that and Warren Moon, um, you know, who both coming out of college were told, listen, you can't play quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Doug Williams only won a Super Bowl. And uh, no big deal. Yeah. You know, um, and apparently was thought of, you know, like was brought up later in the documentary that black quarterbacks can't process the game quick enough. He, he was head co- he was head coach at his alma mater for like five or six years mm-hmm. and has been an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for for years now. Yeah. Uh, so to say he doesn't understand the game is pretty fucking far fetched. Yeah. And then you have Warren, <laughs> and then you have Warren Moon, who between the CFL and the NFL has threw for over 70,000 yards. So, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, give me a break. Uh, it, that is some good old boy shit that is still prevalent in the NFL scouting ranks. Uh, I mean, oh, just, look at, just look at how they talk about Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, you know? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. Well, I don't, I don't Cam think, Newton. I don't think Mahomes. I don't think Mahomes and uh, Wilson got it the way that Jackson did. OK, because they weren't while they can move in the pocket and break off some runs, uh, they weren't hundred yard rushers every game. And that's yeah. what Lamar Jackson was in college um, because he's, he has that kind of electric, you know, athleticism like Vic did, um, you know, and that improvisational, like it, it's just, it, there's a lot of uh, correlation between the two, but um, yeah, but I mean, it, but he was like Vic kind of broke the mold um, when it came to what we thought, the traditional NFL quarterback was and what would, what the quarterback role would be going forward. Um, and he did set the tone for it. Before we go any further, I do want to preface that any conversation with Vic is going to have conversation about sensitive topics. So if you're listening and you find yourself where you may not be able to listen, we do appreciate you listening and come back next episode. But we, we do want to let you guys know there is going to be some graphic discussion. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but back to, you know, let, let's start with Vic, the player and where Vic came from Newport news, uh, home of Allen Iverson. 
Yep. Definitely a much poorer area. Um, and, you know, they said sports is your way out of there. Um, yeah, I mean, Iverson, you know, he kind of uh, uh, put Newport News back on the map, um, you know, because he was he was very vocal about where he was from and how he grew up and, mm-hmm. and you know, the economic conditions in the area. And when he... You know, he did his his time at Georgetown and got drafted. And he was just himself, and he did kind of bring that that uh, kind of hip hop culture to the NBA, and sh- you know that that allowed other players to kind of just be themselves. You know, and uh, you know, let's face it, there was a lot of backlash with old white fans that didn't like it, and mm-hmm. you know, it's like, dude, fuck yourself. This is this is the culture of the league. These are the players you watch. This mm-hmm. is who they are. And if you don't like it, you know, go watch, uh, you know, like the Euro League or whatever the fuck, you know, if, you, if you're not interested in, in how these players are, um, you know, and, and Vic brought that with him, too. Uh, I, I liked how they outlined like he he talked to Allen Iverson and Iverson acknowledged that. Yeah, there, you know, we talked and, um, you know, they, they had they shared a lot of the same uh, influences, you know. Well, so. I know at one point in the documentary uh, when they were doing some of the um, Vic high school highlights, they called him the Iverson of the peninsula. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. So, yeah, he had a lot of early comparisons. Yeah. To I, you know, and, and they weren't they weren't that far apart either. Like Iverson went pro, I think, in 96 or 97 you know, and Vic got drafted in 2001. So, I mean, you had, you know, there was, there was a, a crossover there. Um, but I mean, it, it, it was, was 96, it was by the way, 96. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Um, you know, so, I mean, there, you, you, you literally have two people that came from one of the poorest communities in the state of Virginia, if not the United States yep. that became the most name brand stars of their leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the one, that one dude that, ha- uh, ha- wore the bow tie and the glasses and the, and the, and the fedora, I, I was like, bro, oh, it the, takes the, some, the cultural critic. Yeah. It takes some panache <laughs> to pull that shit off. Hey, he, he it did off. it though. He yeah. did it. Um, but when he said that, you know, that area of Virginia just produces all this talent and they start naming off all these hall of famers. I'm like, there's something in the fucking water there, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and, well, and they kind of paint it as that's all you have to do. Yeah, so it, yeah you yeah. get exactly good and you get say, out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah wow. and it, see, that's the that's the uh, the the really odd thing about it all is that you know you said it best. You get good and you get out. And Vic never really wanted to leave uh, because of his family ties. Yeah, he really. Yeah, he he really didn't want to go. Especially yeah. not without those people. I mean, because, mm. like, the first thing he did was establish, what did they say, like, several apartments yeah. in the Atlanta area or whatever mm-hmm. were yeah. paid for by him for all of his friends and family growing up. And I have to say, yeah. speaking of his family, I loved his aunt. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, his yeah. Aunt. <laughs> yes. I oh, loved her. She, when she started talking about how Vic changed the culture at Virginia Tech and her her comparison was they went from like hot dogs and hamburgers and hot chocolate to 
to like turkey snow legs, cones, snow and turkey cones, legs. And I was like, oh yeah. my god, I love this woman. Yeah. Oh and my gosh, no- when she would describe watching him play, yeah, like, yep. she got so excited about it. Yeah, she was probably my favorite part of it. Yeah, I mean, and just I, I can only imagine being where they're from, and your nephew, uh, you know, hitting it so big. Like, yeah, I mean, Vic was the biggest name in the game. Yeah, um, at one point he was the highest played player. Yeah, you know, but that's your nephew. That's a kid that you you saw do stupid nephew things, you know, and and here he is. And she's right. Like you couldn't watch Michael Vick without ooing and eyeing because what he was able to do was just crazy. Um, yeah, his but, natural you know, athleticism was. Yeah, nobody and, had done that. Nobody yeah. looked like that. And and that's a guy that can make every throw. And I thought it was pretty telling that he's so self aware now. Mm-hmm. Um, where he, you know, admitted that he didn't spend enough time in the film room and he didn't yeah. spend enough time learning his playbook and he didn't spend enough time training. You know, he didn't do those things. He just lived off his athleticism. That dude um, could throw such a beautiful ball. Yeah. Yeah, he really could. I mean, it, it, I mean, just because the dude could run for a thousand yards and bust it out like a four, three forty, that should, you, that should not be held as like a mark of, uh, uh, you know, and that shouldn't be held as a negative against how he threw the ball. Like that guy could, he can make every throw. Um, his problem was, I think he, he and Cam Newton kind of share the same attribute is that they throw too hard. Um, <laughs> you know, rather than taking just the skosh off to make those short to, to intermediate passes, you know, he let him have it. Like it was like, uh, you know, a, an artillery shell coming out. So well, we do need, you said, you said he had a four, three forty, but his time had been clocked as low as 4.25. Which so, is, I mean, okay. which is, which is, uh, which is still the fastest ever for it, an NFL quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I mean, he was just, he was a physical specimen, um, you know, and he made, and Bomani Jones said at best, like, you know, he was like, Atlanta was sorry. Um, you know, this was a team that just was sorry for years and years and They're years. Still sorry. They're still yeah, sorry. Okay. There we go. The saints fan. I should expect nothing less. Um, okay. But he's right that, you know, he was right. He Vic made them relevant, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and made them like he he pushed the Falcons onto the center stage because he was must see TV every Sunday, Um, you know. And uh, I I I remember that that Sugar Bowl against Florida State Mm -hmm. and the only reason that Virginia Tech couldn't keep up was Florida State's depth. And Vic was just out of gas by the mm-hmm. by the fourth quarter. Um, he was the offense in that game. Um, yeah, he know. was beating Florida State going into that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Virginia you know, Tech wasn't. Vic was. Uh. Yeah, you know, I mean that, that that was a thing. Like he was responsible for like eighty percent of the yardage uh, going into the fourth quarter. You know, and and that was something else. I mean, he was. Virginia Tech was always a steady program, small, like tucked in the middle of nowhere in Blacksburg. And then you get Michael Vick that kind of changed the entire face of the program uh, and set the expectation very high for Virginia Tech after that. So, um, you know, I mean, it, what he w- it was able to do in multiple franchises and, and like at school was something else. Like he transformed uh, every team he was really on with the exception of the Steelers, because that was, you know, that was the tail end of his career. And. You know, right. he was I actually forgot he played for the Steelers. Yeah, uh, I remember it faintly because it was weird seeing him in a number two jersey rather than seven. 
Um, yeah. But but uh, you know, I mean, it, he was he was electric, uh, and it, it was it was weird seeing this dude that was like he was a dervish on the field. Like no one could take him down. Uh, he would be falling and stumbling, just like put a finger on the ground that kept him up, and then he would bust off fifty yard runs. Just, mm-hmm. What the fuck, man? It was crazy. Well, let's turn to the more delicate elephant in the room and the the dogfighting scandal that landed him in federal prison uh, in 2007. I guess I should have looked it up. Uh, you know, Vic has brought all of his friends and family. He's basically relocated Newport News out to Surrey, um, you know. One of the greatest things about him was his heart, but it also kind of led to his downfall because he didn't exactly, you know, weed out the 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 negative influences. Mm-hmm. And it was well, one of those I mean, things. It was one of those things. Like they they established very well that this was normal where they came from. Dude, it's it's normal in Virginia, North Carolina. It, it's all over the state, um, which is fucking gross. Uh, Absolutely, we had it. We had it in Louisiana. It was always kind of a rumor. I, I mean, I never saw it, but it was always kind of a rumor. Um, but yeah, it's it's a thing. I'm not yeah, defending and, it at all, but it's not. Oh like yeah, it's, I know. You know, abnormal for where they came from. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like it's like like they mentioned. It's like cockfighting as well. Like these are these are things that people are into, and I, I never understood that. Um, you know. Like, I know his what, buddy Quanis is... like to compare it to hunting. Yeah, which I okay, it's, uh, Quantus, okay. That's yeah, no, it's not the same yeah, thing. But at, watching it, it, it struck me that Quanis is kind of a piece of shit. So <laughs> um, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, but you, you got to look at it, and I thought they did a good job of mentioning this: is that he goes to Blacksburg, which is a bunch of fucking white people. These aren't people that ran in your circles or understand your circumstances or people that if you did not play football would give you the time of day. Mm-hmm. So you're going to bring your buddies with you. You know, you're, you're going to yeah. surround yourself with people that make you comfortable. And, you know, Vic already said, you know, during that time, I wasn't very personable. I didn't like talking to people outside my circle. Um, you know, you could tell he wanted to be successful and be the best quarterback in the NFL, but he wasn't comfortable with the, you know, the spotlight. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, he brought those people with him and, and like you said, Tim, they got him in trouble. Um, and I, I think that's what kind of, you know, the, the biggest thing that kind of, we, you know, I found questionable was how can you say that you love dogs right? and immediately, immediately jump into dog fighting, you right. know, like, it's just, like I, I questioned that a whole lot too. Um, yeah, because I feel like we have two very defini- different definitions of the phrase "loving dogs." Um, yeah, like when I love my dog, I let it sit on the couch and and roll all over my blankets and tear my shit up, and I just look at it like, "Why did you eat my shoe?" Uh, but God, then, you're adorable. That's what I'm going yeah. through right now. Like yeah. as we speak, as we you know. speak right now. But I don't understand how you could equate a love for dogs by training them to attack and kill other dogs. Uh, you know, and then on top of that, the way Qantas and the other dude met, you know, we're talking about it. They called him. Yeah. You know, they're like, yeah, if a dog lost the fight, you kill it. Oh, uh, 
And this is after the whole scandal, and they're still like, yeah, if a dog loses a fight, you kill it. Yeah. Well, and 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 the thing too, like, and as heartless as that sounds, like he's also not wrong when he talked about um, for horses after they race and if they get injured, like he's not wrong. Like that does happen, but it doesn't make it right. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 injured injured racehorses aren't euthanized the way they used to be. Um, there's a lot of scrutiny and 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 eyes on horse racing because of how dirty it it was, mm-hmm. um, and 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 still is to a, a certain matter. Uh, what jockeys put them through, uh, put themselves through just to be able to ride a horse uh, is brutal um, and really gross. But uh, you know, it, it's it, it, it's it's prevalent up and down the east coast and in the south and i get it like it's something they lived with um but for me it goes to show you how michael vick didn't really at the time didn't look at how you know uh, you know more than 24 hours in advance because you're the top paid athlete in your sport you're the biggest star in your sport how would this look if it got out yeah that you were running a dog fighting kennel yeah. Like, come yeah, on, man. I, I feel like I, I feel like when I was watching this, especially too when they got to that, like that that Vic was very small picture. He never really yeah. went big picture. And that could be a product of his circumstance because of uh growing up as poor as they did and, yeah. and in the community that they did, like they there was no big picture. Like it was just the right now, like you were surviving yeah, right today. now. Yeah. Exactly. You were surviving today. And I think that followed him all throughout. You're just yeah, surviving I today. They, I, I think his wife probably took care of the big picture stuff mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because she was the one, you know, she was like, Hey, why are you having these people come in and out of this house? Why are there all these people there? You know, like it looked like she was, you know, she was the, you know, the, I guess the, she was the, the mom, the long view. Yeah. She was the long view thinker, the mama of the, uh, the relationship. And I, you know, that one killed me. I felt like watching his wife talk about everything when the, you know, the allegations came out and then the raid and then the trial, um, you know, this woman had just had a baby and I'm thinking, holy shit, man. Uh, she's raising three kids on her own for the next how you know, at least, you know, at the time, 23 months, but you know, commuted to 18 or whatever the case was, you know, but one of them was a fucking newborn, uh, you, know. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and how does she explain one to the two older kids, uh, you know, where daddy's going. And then the first 18 months of this kid's life or, you know, however long, you know, that baby's not going to know their dad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and that's a relationship that, you know, those are formative, you know, that's a formative time frame. That's, that's where they make, you know, you start that connection. Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't imagine what, like, his wife, his kids, his mother, you know, everything that they were, were going through, uh, having, I guess, that hole in their life. Because it's not just my son, my husband's going to jail. It's uh, how do we finance everything now? Because he was the breadwinner. Yeah. I do I do want to appreciate it. And I don't know if this was necessarily triggered by him missing his grandmother's funeral or what, but it seemed like there was a turning point for Vic in which 
you know, prior to this, you know, he met with Roger Goodell and he denied it. And, you know, he denied this and denied that. But at a certain point, he kind of turned a corner and started owning everything. Um, and and Honestly, when I, I think, when that, I say I think that, that was a trial, Tim. I think that was the trial. I think when it, when when he made the agreement and turned himself in, I think that's that was the turning yeah. point. I don't even think it was his grandma. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's when he he realized I can't lie about this anymore. Like I can't. Well, it's it's out there. The the bankruptcy thing in which, you know, most people in that situation would have taken the easy way out and been like, okay, I'm absolving myself of all my debts. I'm declaring bankruptcy. And he's like, no, I know that I owe between 10 and 50 million dollars. I'm going to pay that back. And, you know, this this is one of those situations, as I was telling my wife last night. Most of the time when you have any sort of wrongdoing, it's like you do two or three appearances and you're done. And and Vic kept on with his work for animal rights mm-hmm. and all of that. Like he never shied away from his responsibility from the moment, like basically from the moment he was sentenced yeah. or turned himself in. You know, he owned every bit of it and he took that responsibility on and it's like – yeah, I I messed up in the in in the past. That's not me anymore. I'm going to continue to show it to you every day. Yeah, that's and and you know that's probably like one of the reasons why I don't hate Michael Vick because and and I mean like you two know like I'm I'm big into critters and and animals and everything like that. Um but it's one of those things where actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. And he has consistently shown over the years, I mean, even now, like how passionate he is about animals and, and fair treatment. And and one thing that I thought was really telling was when he was, I think it was uh, when he was in con- at Congress and he was lobbying for the Animal Fighting Spectator Prohibition Act, he, where he was like, look, I was part of the problem before. But I can I can change that now, you know, and and that was and, you know, and it's something that I can really like respect him for because he he's never like once he hit that turning point, he was like, you know what? Yeah, I did it. And, you know, I don't have a good reason for it. I, I screwed it up. And and one of my very favorite quotes was towards the end, and I think it was the Philadelphia newspaper reporter, where he said, you know, like, Vic has this stain on his story, but that stain is just a small part of it, which is something that really, like, struck me because I've always said that people have chapters in in their book of life. Yeah. And this is just a chapter. It's not the whole book. And so I think that's, you know, so I, I, I've gotten heat over it over the years, but I'm just kind of of the, of the feeling like, you know what, like, no, I, I really feel like Vic did his time and he's shown actual remorse and he has kept with it. And that's why I can't, like, I can't be mad at him about it anymore. It's I'm, fucked I'm, up I mean, what he I, did. I don't agree with it at all. Yeah. It's like it's fucked up, but at the same time, it's like, no, he really like took it to heart and 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 learned from what he did. I'm I'm a big advocate of, you know, every everybody's got 
stuff in their past that they're not proud of. But it's what you do moving forward from that that really tells me who you are. If you don't change, then you need to be written off. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but you know, I, Vic Vic showed that he's he's not the dog fighter. That was a part of his life that he regrets, but that's not who Michael Vick is. Yeah, I had a squad leader that said, it's not how hard you fall, it's how high you bounce. Um, uh-huh. and that's actually it's, a great it's cheesy. quote. Yeah, but it's true. You know, Vic fell, he fell hard. Um, and I, I, I thought that this is very telling. Uh, you know, that was a very telling part of the documentary was you had assholes like Tucker Carlson saying he thought he should have been Oh, he should hang. He yeah, he should yeah. be hanged. For yeah. Because like um, that wasn't at all right racial, racially motivated. No. Yeah. yeah. There was a wide receiver. Yeah, fuck him. Exactly. Uh, he played for the Browns briefly and a couple other teams. But he hit a man with a car and killed him and drove away uh, and got an 18-month suspended sentence. Um, like, he killed a man. And within a year or two, was back in the league playing football. Um, you know. All right now, I'm questioning who was that. Uh, I think his last name was Stallworth. Yeah, Dante oh, okay. Stallworth. Yeah, gotcha. Um, now, I thought he killed a second person too. I, I don't know. Um, now, is what Mike Vick did wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, it, but those were animals. Those weren't people. Um, and see, and that's my that's my take on it too. You know, like and like don't get me. I, 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 love, I love dogs. I do. Yeah. I love dogs. I do but too. at the I end of too. the day, it is a dog and not a person. Yeah, and you know. <laughs> I, oh, thank I, I you. I'm so right. glad that you said that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I oh think God, he was I'm right so in thinking maybe I get six months and it gets suspended. I'm on house arrest and then I can go back to work. But when that judge came down and essentially said, OK, this is a high profile guy. We're going to hit him with the fucking book. And that's what they did. Uh, yeah, they hit him with almost now, double the expected sentence. Yeah. Like they said most um, of these cases are zero to six or one to six months. And most of them end up getting probation. And he got hit with 23 yeah. months over for two charges. Yeah. Yeah. And, and see, this is it. It goes to show the, the inequity of the system um, and how they they did. They went after a black man with money. Uh, you know, Bomani Jones said it. His attorney said it. Uh, you know, the, the cultural critics said it. And they're not wrong um, because you'll have some old cracker from deep dark woods, Georgia, who gets busted for the same shit. Tim. And like you said, he's getting a month and it's yeah. probably going to get suspended. You yeah. know, um, but, uh, you know, I think the best thing about Vic is – that, you know, you both said it, he owned what he did and has really stepped up. Because, uh, I mean, let's, that, 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 that head of PETA or whatever that they had to clips from interviews, you know, it was like, you know, his words don't count, it's his actions that count. And Vic is, has, has been out in front of, uh, you know, children and groups of young adults saying, hey, I am a cautionary tale. Do not do like I did, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, be smarter be better than what I did, uh, you know, and you, you know, it'll lead to a better life. You know, he's like, I lost, you know, almost two years of my life, you know, two years with my, almost two years with my wife. I, you know, couldn't go to my grandmother's funeral. I missed time with my children. I jeopardized my career. 
Uh, but, you know, you really saw a big change of him coming out of prison. Like, I, I thought, you know, his him getting to Philly was kind of weird when he's like, man, you know, I had I had Brian Westbrook next to me. Like, man, you ain't got one ab. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he the look on Vic's face when he said that, he, like, even now, it still hurts his feelings that Brian Westbrook said that to him. You know? Um and then he just doubled down and working hard, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you see what he did. Yeah, I paid back my debt and then we sacked some money away to make sure we were OK. You know, I mean, it was, uh, you know, that that's the good. That's the redemption arc we want to see um, is, is a guy making good and trying to fix things like you said, that that stain on his in his story, together, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and make good on it. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I was angry. Uh, you know, that he did it. But then he went to prison. He paid his debt to society. And then he came back and, and you know, wanted to go back to work. And I, I think that's the gross part is there are people like, you can't let him back in the NFL. That's how he makes money. That is how he fucking makes money. You know, if you have a guy, you know, get busted for something like, I mean, why is he not allowed to go back and pursue a means to provide for his family? You know? Uh, you know, and that goes back into our, our Tucker Carlson, you know, it, it, it's not racially motivated at all. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, yeah. it's fucking ridiculous that, you know, there are people that would think he should be hung for dog fighting or he shouldn't be allowed to go back to work when he got out of prison. You know, he's, it's, uh, it's, it's hanged. It's hanged. It's not hung. It's hanged. hanged. So I want it. I'm okay, sorry. Thank I just, you. Like, that's just my thing. Okay. I'm sorry. Thank it's my you. thing. So thank you. Grammar, please. Final thoughts. How many, uh, or how many Super Bowls did this cost Vic? And how many would Tom Brady still have if Vic hadn't gone to jail for dogfighting? Uh, <laughs> that that's definitely a question for Mac. That's not one yeah, for me. Yeah, I mean, Brady. I, I don't think it affects Brady. Uh, Vic played on a lot of flawed teams. Um, I mean, at one point, Brian Finneran, who was interviewed for the. Uh, documentary was the leading receiver for Atlanta. So that doesn't really tell you much. He had a good career, uh, but he was not a great receiver. Um, you know, and, and they weren't, they weren't the best on defense, you know, more came in, uh, to shore up the defensive side of the ball. And then he kind of shit the bed there. You know, he lasted, I think two and a half seasons in Atlanta. Um, you know, I don't think it really affects, uh, I mean, Brady and Belichick, that was a powerhouse, uh, duo that you, it's very difficult to stop. You know, I don't, I don't think uh, Vic on Atlanta or Philly um, really affects it. Uh, I just, I think Vic probably would have had a much, much, much better career um, if he didn't spend that long away from the game. Um, because, you know, that's a lot of ring rust to shake off. Right. Especially when you, when you're, you know, you have a, I don't know what the gym situation is in Leavenworth, but I'll tell you right now, it's probably not as good as Atlanta's training room. Uh, Clear, huh. Clearly not all that great if he came back with zero abs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he didn't have a single yeah. ab, not one, not a one. All right, um, Heather. Final thoughts but, on you know, this? Yeah. Well, no, oh, well, here, Matt, go ahead and finish finish your thought, and then I'll go. I I, I just I thought it was a great uh, a great little uh, two parter, um, and I like how really visceral the last few we've watched are. Uh, because it's it's nice to to get these people comfortable enough to talk about their struggles and and we kind of hear it from the horse's mouth. So 
Yeah, I mean, that's I'm, three in a row that were mired in controversy now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I really liked it. I, I thought the director did a great job. Uh, I thought they, you know, it was, it was just a great story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Heather. Um, for me, this one, actually, I kind of struggled watching it. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just, I wasn't as drawn into it as I was say like, like with Lance or, or whatever. Um, and, and again, you know, I realize it's just a different storytelling technique. Um, yeah, probably like my, my favorite parts of it were literally just Vic's highlights. And maybe it's just because I'm so starved for football, anything <laughs> that I'm like excited <laughs> just to see a fuck like fucking see like saints and the Falcons playing or whatever. Um, but obviously, and then, you know, once it got into like the dog fighting and everything like that, um, the, the thing that I liked again, kind of just to reiterate what I was saying before is like actions do speak louder than words. And I do appreciate that in that second part of it, they, they did a really good job of showing, look, this is what he does. This is, this is what he did. And this is what he continues to do, um, to show, you know, his, his, his transformation into it. And, um, and I think that that's really admirable because I know that we talked, you know, kind of last, last week with Lance, you know, and, and Mac, you said, you know, like we really love a redemption story. And I think that this was it for sure. Um, like I, I understand, like if, if you want to be mad at Vic for, for what happened, 13 years ago. I mean, that's on you, but for me, I feel like he paid his debt to society and he came out actually changed and actually like yeah, wanted to be a better person on the outside. And that and a lot of times like that's rare. That's really rare, especially for somebody in that kind of status to want to do that. And, and he came off as very genuine to me and very remorseful. Um, but again, like I said, for this one, for some reason, I just kind of struggled with it a little bit. I, I'm not totally sure why that's probably partially it, that it was Atlanta. <laughs> um, but I mean, overall it was, I mean, it was pretty decent. It really was. And, and again, like I said, I, I do not at all condone what he did is absolutely fucked up and I don't like it, but I can't ignore what he's done afterwards. Yeah, I can't ignore that. So yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with what you guys both said. Um, I am not one who can just forget I don't even know that forgiveness is appropriate, but I do think that it is appropriate that we can move on and look forward and he can still have like, you know, he's got this career where he's uh, a guest analyst for Skip and Shannon all the time. You know, I don't see an issue with that because he he does continue to work on these things. He has shown that that period of his life is not who Michael Vick is like that is not Michael Vick. Michael Vick is this, you know, whatever he is now, 40 years old. Uh, you know, yeah, he's 40. all of this. 
Yeah. In a di- and that's just a small chapter of his life. I do think yeah. that it's time that we move on and we don't only think of Michael Vick, the dog fighter. We look at the entire body of work. We look at Michael Vick, the football star. We look at Michael Vick, Vick the dog fighter. We look at Michael Vick, the animal advocate. We look at Michael Vick, the big hearted person who pulled himself out of poverty and wanted and, to pull his family out of poverty. And 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 yeah. the, the fact that he pulled everybody with him is what got him in trouble for a mm-hmm. period of his life. And he has paid his dues. Mm-hmm. He arguably paid more than the the justice system would have required. And he's continued to be a better person. He came out of this a better person. Yeah. Uh, Which I is mean, really I what you want. Yeah, and I think they did a good job in this documentary showing that without it being like a puff piece. You know, mm-hmm. they were very like critical. this. This, this wasn't critical. this wasn't a uh, oh look at how great Michael Vick is. They didn't pull any punches on what was going no. on because I wanted to throw up. Um, yeah, you know they they were in depth on what happened, but yeah. they were yeah. also honest about and, what he I mean, was I, after. This, this, yeah. I mean, uh, and I think this is the kind of redemption arc we like to see, um, you know, because he, he did. He has followed through on, on on everything. And, you know, he impressed me as a person. And I, I'm not I'm not mad at him. You know, uh, I think that, you know, we've all fucked up and, and I, you know, I've made my share of mistakes and I've been given grace by my friends and family to to get my shit together um, and it's taken me longer than Mike Vick has, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, he, 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 uh, he realized he made a mistake and came out of prison and wanting to, to have positive change. So for me, that outweighs the bad he did. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when you see his interactions, uh, with, with himself offering himself as a cautionary tale, how humbling of an experience that is, I have no clue. Um, yeah, because he knows yourself and your experience. Yeah, because yeah. he knows that he's going to get the bricks thrown at him, and he's like, "Okay, like let's yeah. do this. If you're going to do it, go ahead." Like, and he doesn't back down from that, and I think that's really admirable on his it part. It's an admirable trait that that most of us don't have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think, uh, you know, Mike fix a guy I'd like to have a beer with and just listen to him speak about his experience honestly um and he strikes me as like a really genuine dude so i uh you know if you're still pissed off at him get over it like heather said it was 13 fucking years ago and you have better things to do with your time well that'll do it for this week's episode you can get in on the conversation on all our social media at hometown crowd on facebook twitter and instagram you can also join our group facebook.com slash group slash hometown crowd pod subscribe anywhere you find your podcast and if you're an apple listener drop us a review and we'll read it on the air you can also find us on the 910 comedy podcast network along with our sister shows that's just my face dead girls talking and marital tiffs for mac and heather i'm tim thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd Bye, everybody. Tell your friends about us. Yeah, bye. Remember to wear your mask. God, just wear your fucking mask. Please.